0: Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for
1: coming out. Thank you for coming
0: out. Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I am so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this episode is different. We are recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while physically distancing, which means we are not in the studio together and we are not using our professional audio equipment that we are used to. So the audio might be a little bit different, but we are all doing the best we can with what we have. And I am so excited about our guest with us here today. Mike Corrado, he, him, pronouns, is the author and illustrator of everyone's favorite polka dotted elephant, Little Elliot. Elliot. His debut title, Little Elliot, Big City, released in 2014 to critical acclaim, won several awards, and has been translated into over 10 languages. There are now five books in the Little Elliot series. Meanwhile, Mike had the pleasure of illustrating What If by Samantha Berger, All the Way to Havana by Margarita Engel, Worm Loves Worm by J.J. Austrian, and contributed to What's Your Favorite Color by Eric Carle, and Friends in Sunny Day, a celebration of the Sesame Street theme song. His latest books, released in 2020, The Power of One, written by Trudy Ludwig, and his first YA graphic novel, Flamer. Publishers Weekly named Mike a fall 2014 flying start. In the same year, he won the Society of Illustrators Original Art Show Founders Award. Wow. Welcome, Mike. How are you?
1: Hey, Dubs. Thanks for having me. I'm good.
0: My pleasure. Um... So I'm so excited to chat with you today, Um, but before we kind of dig in, um, I had asked you to bring something that reminds you of pride, and I would love to see what you brought.
1: Yeah. Um, So I am holding in my hand right now this, um, I guess it's like a jewelry box, I'll say. Um, So a friend made this for me, um, and I'll give you the backstory in a second, but it's basically a heart-shaped box with the torso of some kind of superhero man uh, who also appears to have no top on. Um, And it's like painted funky colors and bedazzled with glitter and a bunch of the gems and stuff that they glued on to this have fallen off, but I've just put them all in the box for safekeeping. And um, the superhero guy has like a label around his neck, Uh, that says pop star. So here's, here's the background story. I volunteered for memory for many years at a queer summer camp for youth in Washington state called camp 10 trees. Um, They're still active today and they hold a very bright spot in my heart. Um, But one year, a friend of mine, co-counselor, um, made this for me during our training session. And I just love it so much because it's just so fun. Um, but also I feel like what I really keep in the box are all these memories from that camp, um, and the community that I formed there. Um, and it was an amazing experience, not just to, um, be in community with other queer people, putting this program together, um, meeting people that weren't just cis gay men. You know, I hadn't really been exposed to other folks in the queer community, Um, so that was amazing. But then also being able to support and celebrate queer youth um, and creating a safe space that I wish I had as a kid. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of pride in that little box.
0: Yeah, that's so special. I love that a lot. Um, I I have questions. I want to I want to dig into it a little bit yeah. with you, but I want I want to hear your coming out story, and then I promise we will circle back to um, talking about this really incredible um, gift that you received. So we all have multiple coming out <laughs> stories, and so many. <laughs> yeah, so would love to hear one of yours. One that you'd like to share with us. Oh
1: my gosh, um, you know, I. I agree. You know, there, there are so many to choose from, and I was trying to figure out which one to talk about um, today, but I guess I'll talk about when I came out to my mom. Um, I did not come out to both of my parents at the same time. I came out to my mother first after I had come out to a bevy of friends. Um, So I was living in Seattle at the time and she was in New York and it was in the middle of the night and I lay awake just thinking about how if I were run over by a bus tomorrow, she just wouldn't know who I was. And that was so terrifying to me, but it was also so scary to think about coming out to her. Um, but it was the middle of the night and I called her and um, of course she picked up the phone in a panic Yeah. and I was like hysterical crying and she was like are you okay like what's going on are you hurt I'm like no I'm fine I'm just I have something I need to tell you <laughs> and she's like oh okay and I feel like she knew immediately like okay it's time and she's like okay just breathe so we just focused on my breathing for a few minutes there and then she was like it's okay. Whatever it is you need to say, just say it. Everything is going to be just fine. I promise. Mm. And um, I was finally out with it. and She's like, okay. And she's like, um, why do you feel that way? And I'm like, it's just always been that way. I've just always, always known and I've never wanted to admit it, but, um, but I, I need, I just need to be myself now. And and she's like, it's okay, I love you no matter what. And I've thought as much for a long time. And and we just talked for hours. Mm. And at one point <laughs> she was like, okay, honey, well, I just finished my Cheerios and the sun is coming up <laughs> over here on the East Coast. So I think I need to take a nap before I start work.
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, okay, thanks mom. Um, so that, that's one memorable coming out story. Um, I could do a whole, <laughs> a whole episode <laughs> on just coming out stories. Yeah, um,
0: that's very real.
1: Yeah. But I'm going to be seeing my mom on Saturday for the first time since Christmas. Wow. So I think that's why she's on my mind right now.
0: Yeah. That's really special. Is, uh, are you, are you based in New York now or are you based somewhere else?
1: I'm in Western Massachusetts. Okay. Now. And is your mom yeah. still in New York? Yeah, she's not in the city, but she's she's a little bit upstate.
0: Gotcha. And so are you going to her? Or is she coming to you?
1: We are meeting in the
0: middle. Oh, how lovely.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, we picked a, a town to kind of walk around and have a meal at, and then we'll go our separate ways.
0: That's really nice. I am yeah. currently in Southern Texas with my parents. Oh, uh, well, wow. Because I hadn't seen them since February, which isn't, isn't quite as long as Christmas, but still very long. Um yeah. And so like, I got here and I quarantined and then I got tested and then we merged bubbles and it's been really lovely. Not without um, its fights and it's, you know, regular old family dynamics, but it's been really, lovely. Yeah. so I'm excited <laughs> for you. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah. You too. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Um, so thank, thank you for sharing your coming out story. One of your coming out stories with us. Um, I, I want to ask you if you, um, you, one of the things that you said was it's scary, it was scary thinking about coming out to your mom. Mm. And I wonder if you can kind of parse that out for us and kind of talk to us about what was scary about it. Um, and it could be something specific or more general. I know for me, it was more general of like, I just don't know how anyone's going to react. And so I was scared to tell anybody, but I'm curious right. what your, what your um, experience was.
1: Well, I was brought up, devoutly Catholic. Um, so that was the biggest concern um, was that my Catholic family might not accept who I was. I mean, I was struggling with accepting who I was for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, as as a Catholic person, you're already ladled with guilt, like since birth, you know, it's just like part of the... Um, I guess culture is that you're, you're born sinful, right? Um, You, you carry original sin. It's like, Oh my God, I didn't even like, you know, I just stepped out the door and uh, I'm already like on God's bad side. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So um, I, I think it was mostly religious and um, even though I knew deep down that she would, Always love me, I just didn't want there to be some kind of hindrance to our relationship
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's that's very very real um, so was there was there kind of like a, a um anything that like precipitated like the the phone call of like i know I know you said that you were laying in bed and thinking about if you got hit by a bus, but wondering um did something prompt that? Or was it more of like a random thought that came to mind?
1: Um, I can't remember. I think I, I know that I was in a very, I, I remember that it was a very emotional time. It was maybe a year after I'd graduated college. I was living with friends. It wasn't even a year after graduating college. I, you know, there were four of us in an apartment I was in a tiny, tiny bedroom that was more like a den. It was almost like I was literally living in a closet. Mm. Okay. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't even have a bed. I had a sleeping bag on the floor, oh, wow. kind of like your classic poor queer uh, trying, just artists just trying to make it story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was just grateful that there was carpet in the room. Um, yeah. So yeah. You know, and and I I was a barista at Starbucks, so I was just like making coffee every day. I smelled like burned sour milk all the time. Um, I also still hadn't really met a guy, like um, didn't have any luck with dating. Even though I'd come out like a year prior, I'd never even kissed a guy yet. so it was a really frustrating time. Um, and I I just felt like I had all this potential as a person and wasn't able to uh, do anything with it yet. So I think that was part of my my breakdown <laughs> yeah. was that I had all these things I wanted to be, but even who I already was, wasn't being celebrated or... Or was was being hidden away, and it was just too much,
0: yeah, it's a lot it's it's a lot to hold to hold
1: so a lot of what I was just talking about is also something that the main character of flamer Aiden goes through. He's also very religious um, he's brought up Catholic goes to Catholic school, um, so he is struggling right he's he's reconciling these supposedly opposing parts of his persona um which is i think just a huge part of being human like we're multifaceted people and a lot of what we need to deal with in our lives is reconcile these different parts of ourselves um so that's definitely definitely me putting my experience into the character in the book
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, well, now that we're, we're talking about, um, Flamer, let's keep, let's keep talking about it. So yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, it's the, the graphic novel that you wrote. Um, and I, you also illustrated, correct? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind giving our listeners just a synopsis of what, um, what the story is.
1: Sure. Um, So, Flamer is the story of Aiden Navarro, who is a 14-year-old Filipino white mixed kid. And he is away at a scout camp the summer before his first year of high school and the year is 1995. And he is navigating friendships and bullying. He's dealing with body imagery issues, um, struggling with his religion, dealing with racism and all that is just the backdrop to him confronting his sexual identity. Um, and that may sound really heavy, but there, you know, there are some fart jokes too. I have a
0: fart joke. (laughs) (laughs) We
1: all need a (laughs) fart joke every now and then.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, full disclosure, I read about half of it. And then, um, cool. did not, I'm not, it's not that I gave up. I just haven't finished it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm liking I what you. I'm reading so far. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I, I want to, I want to ask you about, I want to kind of go back to, um, the, the box that you were talking about, your pride. Uh-huh. Um, and that what it it signifies for you and like creating a safe space wishing that you had for had as a kid mm. um and wondering like if anything could have been different at scout camp for aiden what could that what could it have looked like to be a safer mm. space where maybe he w- wouldn't have had to to balance the bullying and um racism and you know struggling with sexuality
1: yeah Um, gosh, so many things. I think, um, I want to preface this by saying, even though the book is set in 1995, there's still a lot of issues that are still relevant today, such as toxic masculinity, um, Mm -hmm. which is very much a part of American culture. So I would say that isn't just akin to scouting. It's, uh, being raised as a cis boy in this country, it's like um, you're just expected to be strong and not show any weakness. And if you display any signs of femininity, um, it's just immediately smacked down as, as a weakness instead of a different kind of strength, which is now, you know, I can recognize that in myself now that um, the femininity that I possess is just a different kind of strength that other men aren't comfortable with. And that's really more their problem than my problem. Um, So I wish there was more acceptance around, um, you know, uh, or I should say more flexibility in gender norms. You know, when I was growing up, were for Aiden, um, that would have been huge. I think um, maybe being in a more diverse setting would have been a lot easier for Aiden. Um, if you flip through the book, you'll you'll see maybe different types of white people, um, and then Aiden kind of sticks out as this mixed person. Um, and I remember growing up in certain situations where I was the only person of color, even though I am part white, but even just being half a person of color um, made me stand out a lot. And people, some people thought I was weird and, um, and people don't know how to talk to you sometimes. Um, It's just kind of, funny how how some people are like oh you're different so I don't really know how to talk to you it's like well just talk to me like you would talk to anybody else yeah um yeah so um I think there are just a lot of systemic issues that Aiden faces um that's not necessarily uh on scouting or on uh that specific camp that he's at as much as like, these are just problems that we have in society.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, What, what inspired you to write this, this book?
1: Yeah. um, Well, it's a great segue because I, I didn't see myself um, anywhere when I was Aiden's age. I didn't see myself in books. I didn't see myself on screen. Um, where would I see a chubby half Filipino gay kid? Like, I felt like a freak and, um, it was a long time before I started to see anyone remotely like myself and the only exposure I had to queer people, to gay people was on the news and they were all skinny white dudes who were dying of aids Mm -hmm. and that was all i knew i i saw i saw them dying and i heard the church say that they deserve to die and something that aiden is trying to grapple with is how he knows he's a good person and he wants to be a good person. And all that he knows about being gay is that it's a bad thing. It's an evil thing. And he's like, well, I can't be gay then because I'm not a bad person. I'm really trying to do my best here. Um, So that's a terrifying concept for anybody, let alone a kid who hasn't experienced anything of the world outside of the bubble that they grew up in. Right. Um, So I really wrote this book for, Kids like me because there are still small communities in this country that you know have a kid like Aiden that doesn't have anyone else to look to so I would like the story to be a lifeline for that person until they can find their community um and something this is a spoiler for you and and also a spoiler to people who haven't read the book yet but um but great that there's a trigger warning Mm -hmm. Um, there is suicide ideation in this book. And um, while this book is a work of fiction and, you know, it is based on my experience, I do talk about in the acknowledgements, um, or sorry, I do talk about in the afterward how I dealt with suicide ideation as a teenager. And there is a scene from the book that is, very much from the pages of my own life. Um, And I think that is a really common experience, especially for queer folks, um, to grapple with your mortality and try to figure out why am I here? And do I wanna be here? And does anybody want me to be here? Um, So I hope this story is telling them they do deserve to be here and I want them to be here and they should take up as much space as they want. Um, You know, teen suicide is a growing problem, um, especially with the advent of social media and uh, queer youth are at a much higher risk of suicide, self-harm, homelessness, Um, And if that queer youth is also trans and or a person of color, the risk starts to increase exponentially. Mm -hmm. So I just, um, I, I just care about our youth, you know, our future, our queer future. Especially being someone who grew up in the 90s and saw our elders die, right? I don't have a lot of role models to look up to. So I figure I'm going to do my best to pass something on to the next generation in a way that I didn't really get to benefit from.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's so, so resonant and so true for so many queer people, including myself. Um, I craved visibility when I was younger and I was struggling Mm. so deeply with at the time I thought it was just sexual orientation and didn't realize that I was grappling also with struggling with my gender identity. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know gender queer non-binary people even existed. I didn't know it was a thing. And so it was, it's like a very lonely feeling to not know where you, where one belongs, where I belonged. And did I belong? And did I want to be here just to reiterate the questions that you just asked. And, um, also had, um, suicide ideation of like, why am I here? Like, this is miserable. And I don't, you know, and what would it matter? It's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't see a future for myself at all. So it was like, well, what's the point? (laughs) Like, I don't, you know, and it's, was tough. And, you know, similar to what you were saying too, of not seeing yourself in media, um, the, there were, there was such little trans representation. I grew up, grew up in the mid eighties, nineties. I was born in 84. And, um, really the only trans representation was just portrayed in such a, a negative, terrible light. It was always either the butt of the joke mm-hmm. or they were violently abused or murdered, you know, and, uh, you know, I watched, um, Boys Don't Cry. Did you ever see Boys Don't Cry? Yes. Yeah. And which is it's a story based on a true story of a, a trans man Brandon Tina and I just remember watching it and like actually seeing not my full self but parts of myself reflected in this story and then watching how it unfolded at the end was just devastating and yeah I remember just crying and crying in front of my friends who were like what is wrong with you you know because we were you know we were in high school I didn't talk about anything with anybody uh, and I was like how are you not crying <laughs> like how is this not reaching deep into your soul and making you like how is this are you not but yeah. it just was touching me in such a personal way
1: and it's it's a mixed feeling right because when you do see those stories it's great in so many ways. Cause it's like, Oh my God, I see myself, but also terrifying because it's like, Oh my God, does this always end in tragedy? Like, is right. this going to be my story? Um, and you just reminded me of, um, I don't know if you've seen the documentary disclosure on Netflix, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but I think that really speaks volumes to how queer folks, trans folks have been represented in media throughout time <laughs> yeah. and how it's it's a very new concept to be able to show a queer character who is living their best life right and mm-hmm. um I think we need more stories that celebrate the joy um that show yes there's struggle but there's triumph and there are things to look forward to for for so many of us
0: yeah I am uh, they, that joy is so important and I think a lot of times when we are talking about queer narratives and queer stories we do it, the focus does tend to stay on the negative and I mm-hmm. really encourage when I'm in all of the different spaces that I'm in to also talk about the joy because that's what sustains at least me I can't speak for everybody but um, yeah. I am currently filming a documentary called to life and it's Following three Jews from all over the world, of um, s- oh, similar in the sense of you talking about um, being Catholic and how religion played it, had an impact on how you felt and how Aiden felt, you know, and dictated you know um, how we view ourselves. Same with Judaism, and so this mm-hmm. documentary is re you know reimagining what it is to be a Jew now and making Mm -hmm. sure that when I'm in, in these interviews and showing my life that I'm also showing the joyful parts too. And not just that it super duper sucks to get misgendered. You know, that, that part is important and it's, it needs to be talked about, but, and at the same time to really focus on that joy because you know, we're humans. We have to focus on all, on all the things.
1: Yeah. I mean, someone once told me, and I found this to be so true that you always need something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And she was being very specific about like, oh, I try to put something on the calendar, uh, you know, in a few, you know, a few weeks down the road, just something to look forward to. So that if I'm having a bad day, I could be like, well, <laughs> this thing's coming up. So just hang in there. But I think it's a great rule for just living one's life is like, okay, here, here's what I'm putting in front of myself Here, here's the the joy and the happiness that I aspire to and look forward to. Um, and yeah, and to, to be able to see other people live that um, makes it possible to imagine it for oneself.
0: Yeah. It just, it creates that sense of possibility in the sense of, Oh, I didn't even know. It's, it's almost like yeah. a sense of permission or consent um, for oneself to see, for, you know, for yourself and somebody else is, you know, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Right. Because, you know, and I don't mean to like keep getting stuck on this uh, topic of representation, but for the longest time, you know, as I said, like first, all I saw were like dying men. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what else, what else did I see? You know, love in the shadows, a love that wasn't accepted. I could, I couldn't even grasp the concept that there could be same-sex couples who, you know, lived their lives together and cared for each other and did boring stuff together. You mm-hmm. know, I thought it's like, oh my God, is it always like some some affair? And why is it always a truck stop? And <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to have sex in a bathroom. Gross. Um, And, you know, no shade to anybody who likes (laughs) that. Not for everybody. (laughs) Not for everybody. Um, So anyway.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's okay to get stuck on that because it's such an important topic of this representation. Um, So I work for a Jewish organization that that teaches LGBTQ inclusion to other Jewish organizations. And so a lot of times I am the first Jewish trans person that, people have met. And it's so awesome. important to to create that visibility because it's like, this isn't just some abstract thing that people are talking about. These are real life people who are in your mm. communities, in your congregations, in your JCCs, in your camps, yeah. who are struggling and need to feel like they belong in your space. And uh, we exist. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, it's important.
1: I've been asked the question of the book, you know, oh, you cover a lot of different um, topics in the book. And do you feel like or you know, has anyone ever said like there are too many issues in this story? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, um, here I am, you know, like I'm living yeah. proof. Like we, we all have a million things going on at the same time. Um, that's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone that maybe isn't outwardly showing multiple issues, um, there's probably a lot more going on behind the scenes than you're aware of or even just internally.
0: Yeah. I, I talked to my parents a lot about my childhood and and they were like, We had no idea you were so miserable. You were so happy mm. and it's like I you know, I I thought I, I needed to be happy, so you right. were happy. But right. I was miserable inside and it's just so hard for them and I think for a lot of parents to kind of wrap their minds around that it's like they just they didn't realize
1: yeah um, no I I've heard the same thing from some people um and then other there were other people that were kind of in on it that they were like oh my god you know knowing me as a grown-up they're just they're happy that I finally found a place that I can Um, that I can live some joy. Um,
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess while we're, while we're still talking about representation, do you have a favorite queer representation in media right now?
1: Oh, you know, I knew this question was coming and I've been thinking about it and, you know, there, there are getting to be a lot, which I'm really grateful for. And this, this may sound like low hanging fruit, but I, I really do mean this. Um, The Queens on RuPaul's Drag Race really mean everything to me. Hmm. Um, I can't even imagine being a kid and being able to watch that show. Oh my God. And I ended up doing drag in, uh, when I got older. I didn't even know what that was when I was a kid. Um, and then of course, like many people who discover it for the first time, it's quite jarring, right? It's like, whoa, I don't know if I feel okay about this. Um, but then I discovered like, oh, you were uncomfortable because you saw yourself up on that stage mm-hmm. and you knew you wanna be clacking around those heels. So I think it takes such strength and courage to do what they do. Um, That being said, there are Queens who are young enough that they watched the show when they were kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they, they represent, you know, like this whole new generation of empowered youth. So between, between both, between all those generations up on that stage, like the, the youth that are growing up with great role models and the Queens that are on there that have like been through it and didn't have the role models and are serving as them now. Um, wow. Like I am so grateful for, for them doing what they do. Yeah. And they bring a lot of joy into my life. I realized something um, a few years ago. I was like, Oh my God, drag is my sport. Mm. Like, I never understood why, you know, like I would have like straight dude friends or even like women in my life. they were like, I have to get home because the game is on. And it's like, oh my God, like chill out. Like this <laughs> yeah. thing's going to go on for hours. I don't understand why I need to like rush. Like, you know, I just, I just didn't get it. I had kind of, kind of gotten some of the thrill of watching sports in person because I like the energy of the crowd, but I never understood yeah. like sitting down and watching like, baseball on tv i'm like oh my god but
0: well baseball's boring i get this yeah.
1: <laughs> i get this that kind of um fanatical feeling when i'm like oh my god it's on it's on it's on i'm like i need to get home um so so yeah i'm i'm waving i'm waving my pink flag <laughs> for drag race
0: that's great um i fun fact i've never seen drag race
1: Okay. Well, there's uh, no time like the present.
0: <laughs> I know. Um, I really do need to to go in and watch. Um, it's on my very long list of shows that I haven't watched that I need to. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, um, now that the book is out, if you've gotten letters or emails or have folks reached out and wondering um, what people are saying, like, to you directly about the book. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been amazing to get feedback. Um, maybe just a few days after the book came out, which was, uh, came out September 1st, I got a tweet from a parent whose kid is 14 and is proudly, 14 or 15, and is proudly bisexual and demanded that their mother... Immediately purchased three more copies so they could secretly give that book to three friends that they knew needed it
0: <sighs> oh.
1: really badly right now. And that just like I mean, I started crying. Like that was my kind of like everything moment. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like this is why I did this. Like yeah, it like I was so it made me so happy and grateful. Um, and I've also really been touched by adult queer readers who have gotten in touch um, to say how much the story resonated with them. Um, And there, there was one person that said, oh, is this what it's like for straight people to just open up the book and see themselves. Oh. Is this what straight people feel all the time when they read? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing me. Um,
0: oh my goodness. Yeah. So it's been, it's been pretty much all good feels. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. When the whole world is built on a heteronormative, cisnormative platform, yeah. Everything you consume, most things one consumes is mm-hmm. you know relatable to
1: yeah to, and I have
0: to straight people. Oh sorry. No I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Um and you know I did have some concerns before the book came out um because this was a big step for me, you know, being a gay, queer person, writing about um at least it's my experience, but you know writing about a gay queer experience, I felt like, okay, what, what are my people going to think? Because I feel like our people do not hold back any punches when they, um, when they have an opinion about something, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which I, you know, I, it's something I love about us and, but being on the other side of that as someone who's going to take the feedback and criticism, I was like, Oh God, I really hope I got this right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That is a real fear. So how how have, how has that particular piece of reception been? Has it been mostly good vibes?
1: Yeah. It's just been all good vibes. um, Lots and lots of love. And if anything, it's just encouraging me to make more stories, like this. Um, there are so many things I didn't get to talk about in the book um, that I'd love to talk about in other stories. So uh, it's just, it's just given me the, the strength to to keep on going. So thanks for that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love to hear that. I, so um, I mentioned this in the intro um, that I produce a queer improv show um, and also I'm the host of this podcast, and um, sometimes not so much lately because we 're not doing in person stuff, uh, but there are definitely moments of feeling burnout um, when it comes to putting myself out there as someone who's visible and holding space for other people um, there is that kind of sometimes a sense of burnout and it's every once in a while I'll get an email or a direct message or something on, on Instagram where someone's like, you changed my life. Like Mm. I, you know, I finally see myself and it's in those moments. And it sounds like you're getting this kind of same feedback too. That's keeping you fueled is it's like, okay, now I remember not that I ever forgot, but it's like a nice reminder of like, Oh, this, this work is really important because similar to you, like I, like we said before, like didn't have this growing up and I don't want anyone to struggle the way that I did when I was a kid. Uh, right. It was really terrible.
1: Right. And I, I think it's important to remember that we don't live our lives for the haters. Right. We're, we're doing what we do for the folks that we could possibly help. So.
0: Yeah. Do you, are you a Brene Brown person? Do you read Brene Brown?
1: Oh, I have watched some of her talks. Mm-hmm. Um, On screen. I haven't read her books, but yeah, I do appreciate her.
0: Um, I do as well. She makes me very happy, but she um, talks about this idea of daring greatly. I even, I got it tattooed on my arm. I actually tweeted at her to see if she would write it in her handwriting. And Uh. she tweeted back and said, um, so okay let me let me back up and so then her response will make more sense so yeah. there 's this idea of daring greatly, and it came from a quote now i can 't remember who said it one of the roosevelts I think about vulnerability and like being in the arena and taking chances and like in doing that you 're going to get knocked down and it 's how you how you rise up is what is you know defines you as a human and and the fact that you 're even in the arena in the first place, right. um, taking chances and being vulnerable and so I said, "Will you write it in your handwriting. And she said, when you're face down, you should get it in your handwriting. So when you're face down in the arena, you can remind yourself to get back up. And I was like,
1: Ooh. oh, I love that. She's um, good.
0: <laughs> very good. <laughs> uh, but I bring this up because she talks a lot about, she's a shame researcher and she talks a lot about right. the outside influences, uh, how it influences us as humans, how we put up all of this armor and we to protect ourselves. And how she doesn't even, and, you know she's human. And it's sometimes it's not always perfect, but and because she's so famous that she gets a lot of of interactions from the haters. And right. So she has a an inch by inch paper that she keeps in her wallet of names of people mm. who she, who those are the only opinions that matter to her. Mm-hmm. And so and it kind of helps her stay like focused. Mm. And she doesn't. And, she, and another one last la- layer is she only will listen to people who are also in the arena. Because otherwise it's just people on the outside who aren't taking risks, who aren't being vulnerable, who aren't putting themselves out there. And so they don't, they don't get to, to comment because they're not even doing the work. True
1: that. <laughs> right. And so. True that. that it's easy to something. criticize. It's harder to do it.
0: You yeah, know, it's really hard to do it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, I was reading um one of your blog posts and, um, it's just, I want to, it's it's sad, but it's uplifting. I just, I think I'm just going to read it if that's okay. Do you mind if okay. I just read part sure. of your blog post? I don't know um, which one you're going to read. Uh, that's such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's the most recent one. Um, and it, it goes, uh, It's a you wrote, children are killing themselves because they think they are unlovable, because they think this world is not for them, because they are afraid that if they don't kill themselves, someone else will. I was a child like that, but I chose to stay. And I would like to ask my sweet, beautiful, worthy fellow flamers to stay. Stay here with me. We can see what happens. It won't all be good, but there is more good in the world than you know. Sometimes life pulls a reveal. What a gay person, or what a gay, what, sorry what gay person doesn't love a plot twist? Um, and then I'm not sure if it's the exact next line or somewhere really close to it. You wrote, you are enough kid. You are enough. Um, I just think it's so beautiful. And I think, so thank you. Thank you for writing that and having that available for people to, to consume. Um,
1: I did write that, um, the night before the book came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I have a tradition of writing a blog post for my book for every book release. Um, but this one, I was definitely uh, weeping while typing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I really meant every word of that. And um, yeah, I hope, I hope it gets through to the folks. Yeah,
0: I think so. I got I- got through to me it's really really special and what i think um is really important that you name um that it won't all be good because i think there's this fairy tale of (coughs) the the quote unquote bless you like it gets better Mm. and like it does get better and it's also going to get harder (laughs) like it's because it's life and so i think it's really important for for us, the queer elders, if you will, or the, the middles, (laughs) um, to, to name that specifically, it's like, things aren't going to just, all of the issues aren't going to disappear once you come out or come into yourself and that it's really important to stick with it and that, you know, and to find community and support because it will get better, but also it will be hard.
1: I think part of life is learning how to manage expectations. You need to have goals but you also need to leave space for setbacks, for surprises. There are always surprises. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Um, And that's just the way it is. Um, So yeah, that that is why I put that in there because something, and here's a topic that I am thinking about writing in future book is that sometimes we think, okay, I just need to like come out of the closet and then I'll finally be happy. Mm-hmm. And then you come out and you discover this whole, this whole new world of issues, right. That you weren't expecting. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the big thing that I want to, 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 that's a big thing that I hope people take away is that, um, you know, we may have these milestones in our lives where we think I've made it. Um, but, you know, life will hand you <laughs> a new dish of something to eat.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Cause that was my, the, when I came out to my sister, um, she was the first, she was the second person I ever came out to. Um, and well, so I don't know, actually, I don't know why I brought up my sister, but just when, as I was coming out to people in the beginning, um, it is exactly what you just said of like, oh, now I have to actually be this queer person. Mm. And like, how do I do that? And I've never done that before. And this is really hard. And this is really scary. And the world, the country, our country right now is not set up to support queer people in any real Mm. sustainable way unless you have found like niche communities that will do so um Mm. and so that's i would definitely love to read a book about that because that is very resonant at least (laughs) well
1: i'm working on it
0: (laughs) (laughs) great Um, so I don't want to do this, but I have to move us into our last segment, which is a very fun, silly, like rapid fire question where you just okay. say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. And there are no right or wrong answers except for one, but it's really all just for fun. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Pencil or pen? Pencil. Acting or singing? <gasps> I, <laughs>
1: uh, singing.
0: Dogs or Cats. Dogs. Beach or mountains. Beach. Meat or veggies.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Veggies.
0: Bagels or donuts?
1: <gasps> God, these are really tough questions. <laughs> um uh, how do you I'll go donuts?
0: Okay, the answer was bagel. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 uh train or plane?
1: Oh, um, train.
0: Sweet or salty? Sweet. Coke or Pepsi?
1: Ooh, um, I guess Coke if I must.
0: Uh, night or day? Night. And favorite kitchen item?
1: Ooh, um, food processor.
0: Ooh, nice one.
1: Yeah, life-changing. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> um mike this has been such a lovely conversation thank you so much for joining um where can folks get flamer where can they read it where can they see it how can they buy it how can they support you all the above
1: yeah thanks um you can get it anywhere books are sold i always encourage people to support their local independent bookshop um, or you can go to bookshop.org where now you can purchase books online through that site and the, um, the money benefits, uh, store, I believe of your choosing. Um, and it's also available through other online retailers. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me Doves. Yeah. Great to meet you.
0: You too. And thank you for coming out. Thank you.
1: Thank you for coming
0: out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.